following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Christianity has become known for judgy people, strange words, ancient stories, confusing rules, and a members-only mindset. This is why I stayed away from the church for so long, but it's not supposed to be that way. I'm Jill Devine, a former radio personality with three tattoos, a love for a good tequila, and who's never read the entire Bible. Yet, here I am hosting a podcast about faith. The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to another episode of Normal Goes a Long Way. I'm your host, Jill Devine, and the gang is back together. I am talking about the gang from episode one, the two individuals that are really helping me a lot on this (laughs) journey of mine with Faith Ryan Findler, Laura Fleetwoods. Welcome back. I'm glad we're all three here again. I mean, this is fun. We're all uh, sitting around the table just hanging out. So I will say that if you have not listened to the very first episode, episode one, how it all began, this is where you will learn why Laura Fleetwood and why Ryan Findler are walking alongside me, why I've chosen these two individuals, but we're back together because we are talking about the faith of the next generation. And we just had episodes on with Hannah Lang, who really is the specialist when it comes to kids' birth to fifth grade. But what we have learned about Ryan and what he does, he really specializes in sixth grade to seniors in high school, right? Yep. So I wanted to get that perspective on because that's also part of the next generation. And I wanted Laura to come in on this and and do the interview with you, Ryan, but then I wanted to just kind of bounce in here and there with some of my questions, if that's okay with you. Sounds good to me. All right, take it away. Well, this is very personal to me because I have two high school daughters who um, get to be in relationship with you, Ryan, as their, you know, director of student ministry. And so I get to see kind of behind the scenes how their faith is growing and um, some of the things that they're learning and, and, and talking about. And um, I have some questions that I'd love to just ask you about how students develop their faith. But I want to kick it off with this statistic that you recently shared with me, which is that half of all high school students who go to church will fall away from a relationship with Jesus later on in their life. That's stunning. Yeah. And I'll be honest, that statistic came from a book in 2016. So it could be worse. It could be more. It could be less. Um, I think 50% is safe. I guess I'd love some insight into your work with middle school students and high school students. Um, How do you help them form faith? And then how are you working to help them sustain it after they leave kind of your sphere of influence um, in the church and they go off to college and they go off to, to start their lives? So what does it look like to be a student minister, yeah. right, at a church serving middle school and high school students? Yeah. Very terrifying age group. <laughs> uh, I hear that all the time. I don't get it. They're pretty fun. Um, they keep me young, which I love. But I would say that in today's world, the question has gone from 
what does this mean? Simply answering, hey, here's what the Bible says and here's what it means. Well, now I think kids would ask, and why should I care? Or why does this matter to me? Yeah, I know what it means, but why should I even care about it at all? And so I think to reach them, you have to dig deeper into that question of, here's what Scripture says, here's what Jesus says, here's what that means, and here's why that matters for you, here's why you should care right now. Here's why you shouldn't just wait till you're 80 years old and on your deathbed to know Jesus. Knowing him and following him can can impact your life positively now and can change uh, your future and it can change your vision for yourself right now. And so I think a lot of what I teach and speak to them comes from that place of wanting them to care now and, and wanting them to feel on fire now for what God has planned for their lives. So I think that's a huge focus. And if we only stop at explaining the gospel and not saying why it matters, then, then we're going to miss the boat. You're going to get that 50%. And there's more to that number as well. There's another statistic we've shared about how every kid needs at least five influential adults in their lives outside of their parents. And I think that's huge too. I've shared stories with you about influential adults in my life who simply by their presence, they kept me connected to church and connected to Jesus. And so for our young people, it's explaining why the gospel matters and actually living it out and showing it to them in the mm. form of, of those who are above them, of the adults in our church. And so I think it, in our context and in, I can probably say in every church context, it's a multi-generational effort to reach kids. So when I think about middle school students, right? So that's our sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. What are some of the real life situations that they are facing in their lives? And how do you help them tie that, what their lived experiences, to why it should matter to them, what Jesus did for them and how much he loves them? Yeah, so... You know, middle schoolers are very concrete thinkers. They're very straightforward. Some would say they think like an engineer. So it's like, give me the facts. The abstract stuff maybe comes a little bit later, but but give me the facts, right? What, what, what does the scripture say? What is it all about? And they're kind of entering that phase. And that's why we have this program in our church called Confirmation. A lot of church bodies do it. I know the Catholic Church does it. And other church bodies, that's kind of the age that they found that a kid, they've left kids' ministry, and they're starting to become aware of who am I as a person outside of just oh, um, my parents' son, you know, and whatever my parents say goes. Well, now they're starting to understand reality for themselves, and they're starting to learn who they are. And so, oh, you know, my parents raised me to be a Christian. Well, am I a Christian? And so that's kind of that age, that 12 years old, 13 years old, that's when we start trying to answer that question for them. Hey, you know, a lot of you grew up in our church. A lot of you grew up in this environment. Some of them didn't. So we always have to be aware of that. I think the days now are gone where you can just assume your middle school students heard all the Bible stories. You know, that changes how you teach. I've realized I used to start off by teaching. You know, I could rush through some stories. I could say something like, oh, you know, the story of David and Goliath. Well, here's what you know, that says, well, you can't assume every kid in there knows the story of David and Goliath. And so you have to walk through it with them again. And if they did hear it in those first through fifth grade years, they've probably 
forgotten parts of it and need a reminder of it anyways. And so as they're starting to own their faith and discover who they are, we're also starting to define what Christianity is, what faith in Jesus looks like for them. That's where they're starting to see and notice, okay, you say you believe this. Yeah. How do you live it out? They're kind of starting to become aware of that. And I think high school is when that becomes really important. When the personal modeling, you're teaching me this thing, you're teaching me to be generous, well, are you generous? You're teaching me to serve, well, are you serving? You know, uh, high schoolers especially, but, but teenagers in general, they're pretty perceptive. And they can smell a fake a mile away. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, they can. And that's my fear, as I don't want to be a faker. I want to uh, practice what I preach. When I teach and when I'm in conversations with these students, I want to be able to be confident and say, yeah, this thing I'm teaching you, I've also practiced it and wrestled with it and struggled with it. And so I know where you're at wrestling with it and struggling with it too. And so I think that's that's a huge part of it is defining for them what the gospel is, defining for them how to live it out, and then personally modeling it for them as the leader. I want to chime in. Listening to you talk, I said this about Hannah, and I think, Lori, you can agree on this one too, but the way Hannah was talking about what she does and the ages that she is working with, that is exactly what God called her to do. Mm -hmm. And I have had the pleasure of also seeing you in action, so to speak, and I would say the exact same thing about you. It takes a certain person to be able to reach this age group. And I personally feel like when I see what you are doing and how you're presenting it, you're it. Like, that's why they're coming back. I just Thank you for saying that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I do. We have a saying at home. It's called we like to live with an open hand, which is just saying that we don't want to set our hearts against something or set our hearts for something and not take God in the equation, not be obedient to him first. And with student ministry, you know, I've always felt like, hey, this is just a unique period of my life where I can, as a young person, bring a certain energy, uh, a certain perspective to these kids that I might not be able to bring when I'm older. And you can do youth ministry as an older person. But I think there's something unique about reaching young people while you're still kind of young that I love getting to do. Yeah, there's something powerful about being like just a step ahead, mm-hmm. you know, not 10 steps ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can relate. I wonder if, too, part of my job is being a bridge between these young people that I'm called to reach and older people in our congregation who aren't quite sure where their place is in their faith. If I can bridge these generations to being connected with each other and to be in relationship with each other, you know, I like to think that that heals some of the divisions that we might see between age groups. Once you're in a relationship with them and walking alongside of them, you realize, oh, teenagers aren't actually that scary. And my parents and my grandparents aren't just boomers boomers that don't know nothing, right? (laughs) They actually love me and care for me. And when you put them alongside of each other, that's where that happens. But I think about the peer pressure and the... I've got to be cool and maybe going to church isn't cool and Jesus isn't cool. And 
I feel like sometimes do some of them just get lucky and they stick with it? I just know some of the things that I did and I maybe wanted to walk alongside God, but I had friends that were like, no, that is not cool. Yeah, like what is the difference between that 50% who sticks with their faith and their relationship with Jesus and the other 50%? What makes the difference? Community. I would say that if you are not walking in your faith with other people, you're kind of already setting yourself up for a moment of, of losing your faith. I'll lean on nothing but the Bible. Jesus himself said you're not supposed to go through this alone. You're supposed to walk through this with someone else. When he sent the disciples out to, to the different towns and villages around the area, he always sent them in groups of two. And I think he knew that none of his people were meant to do this alone. And so the kids that I see most engaged and most connected are the kids that are most relationally connected and most relationally engaged with other students and with adults who they can trust. And that can only come with time, unfortunately. That's what I always say. Like, For these relationships to work, it takes time. You're not going to be best friends with a small group leader. You're not going to be best friends with someone in your church on day one. That's why we do community groups at our church, right? It starts out a little awkward. But as the weeks go on and as time together grows, you start getting to know each other more personally. And you realize that you're walking through this journey of faith together. Something that we failed to, I would like a definition on is, because Hannah brought this up too, what is a small group leader? A small group leader is someone that essentially I've given, let's say, 10 young people to and said, hey, this is your group. Every night on Sunday nights, when we're, when I'm done giving a message, you gather together and talk about what we talked about with them. But they're also there to celebrate birthdays, to text students encouragements. Uh, sometimes they show up to performances at, you know, if they're athletes or if they are in, in play, a play. In a play. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> and so it's really meant to be maybe a mentor is a better word. There's so many different jobs that a small group leader kind of embodies. You're kind of a coach, kind of a teacher. You're kind of a friend. You're kind of a older sibling in some ways. You're a little bit of all those things. My vision is that, yes, our students see me as the leader, the guy on stage, but like if I if I could paint a picture, my goal is that when these students graduate high school, that that group leader is the first person they invite to their mm-hmm. graduation party. Maybe I'm invited. <laughs> I wouldn't say no, but I also want to see these group leaders be so invested in their lives that they trust them and know them enough that I want to celebrate the past four years with this adult who's been here for me. Does that answer your question? It does. The one thing that they are is that they are always there. Present, yes. Presence is so important. Presence with a C, not presence that's in the Christmas tree. <laughs> Those presents are also important, um, but <laughs> presence with a C, that is the most important thing. Yeah. I've told you about different small group leaders in my life before, but 
one consistent thing that I think about now, 10 years later, looking back on my experience with them is specific teachings. I can't quite remember Mm -hmm. or maybe one or two jostled my brain, but my relationship with them, my love for them simply came from the fact that they were present there for me and and with me. So what do you find are common questions that kids this age have for you when it comes to faith? So that's an interesting question, (laughs) but the questions that are most on their minds are the ones that are most personal to them. I don't get a lot of grandiose 30,000 foot view questions from these kids. I get a lot of questions about, I've got some friend drama that I need help processing. What do I do in this situation? I have been dealing with some self-harm. What should I do in this situation? I am dealing with depression. I'm dealing with a breakup. I'm dealing with issues, finding friends at school. It's in some ways the, the typical teenage questions, right? But sometimes they ask you questions in the form of statements and you got to realize that. So someone might come up and say, you know, I think blank. And that's all they say. Well, they're saying that as a statement, but internally they're also asking, and how do you feel about me now that I've said I believe this? Or how do you feel about me now that I've said this thing? Like they're looking Uh, for validation. Are you going to reject me because I said this? So there's actually a lot of hidden questions in these conversations. I had a leader who uh, a student in her group came to them and said, hey, I think this or I believe this. I don't want to be too specific, but I believe this. And this leader felt convicted that, man, I see things differently than this student. And I think the scriptures you know, Jesus says things differently than what the student might be saying. And they were trying to figure out, how do I respond? And I said, what's more important or what is the win here? Is the win being right or is the win them believing what's right? You can tell them what you think is right. And if they're not ready to receive it, you might have lost them. But if you wait for the right time, you might get the opportunity. And so, it, and it's, it's funny. I, I think it took a couple months, but a couple months later, the student came back with a question of, hey, I believe this. How do you feel about this? What do you think about it? Mm. And they had the chance to speak. Their mind said, hey, I love you. You know I love you, but I see things this way. And I think Jesus would encourage you to, to see things this way. And the student said, I don't really agree, but, you know, I'm willing to listen to you, basically, because that relationship was there. So prioritize the relationship over the rightness. That kind of, (laughs) your question was, what are they asking? I kind of said, here's how you should respond to it. But teenagers, be on the lookout for the questions. They might not always be phrased like questions. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. Well, I think what's concerning to me is, I love that teaching and I love what you are teaching and training your small group leaders. But something, Laura, that you brought up to me in one of our very first interviews, what if the conversations went differently with some of the people I came across? And as I'm saying that out loud, I'm remembering what Hannah said, like ultimately God's the bigger picture. He sees it all. It does 
concern me though that some of these impressionable teenagers go to the wrong place and they are not heard and they are judged and they're not able to have an open conversation. And I can't change the world. Neither can you, neither can you, Laura, but, uh, if we really want these kids to know who Jesus is, like we have to listen to them. And I say kids, but teenagers, there are some truths that are best shared from a stage and some truths that are best shared around a table. And it's important for us to recognize what those are because if I, from a stage say something that's meant to be shared around a table, it's going to be rejected. And so Jesus had the saying was that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, which is why we always need more Holy spirit filled adults that are willing to invest in kids because where are they going to, I mean, you're, you were saying, where are they going to go? And that's always my question. Where are they going to go with these questions and concerns if they don't come to us, you know? Yeah. They're going to go to the internet. Go to YouTube and search dating advice for teens. You are going to feel compelled to speak some truth to your young people when you Google that. It's kind of funny. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that's resource number one these days. As, As an adult myself, I... Oftentimes, when I need Same. an answer to something, sometimes it's medical related. Why does my <laughs> shoulder hurt? Um, but I'm going to the internet for these for these answers, and sometimes the internet has good answers for us. But when it comes to faith questions, oftentimes that's not at the top of the the Google search list. And so, the more we're brushing shoulders with our teens, the more we get to be that resource. Maybe they don't come to us first, but they'll come to us when they're ready for us. Come, they'll come to us when they are ready to hear from us. And that's why that relationship, again, is so key. Because if they've trusted you for months to be with them or years, then when the, the heavy stuff comes, the heavy questions come, they're going to, you know what? I have this trusted adult that may have been there before that I can go to with this question. Know that they're not going to reject me even if they disagree with me. But I do want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, and that's something you learn, Jill, you'll learn this as your girls get older, like that trust takes so long to build and it's broken in an instant, you know? So it's like, I don't, it's learning to talk with kids and not to them. It's about listening, you know? And it's um, like you were saying, Ryan, it's those caring adults who are willing to give two hours of their time a week to be with our teenagers and to care for them and to listen to them. And hopefully God will use that to reach out to the kids who don't have that in their life and bring them to it. Do you find that Ryan? Like our kids bringing friends who don't have faith in their family or don't have a source of that hope elsewhere in their life? Yeah, we're starting to kind of see that. And I think mission one there is create a space that they feel safe in, create a space that they can trust and create a space that they can come back to or that they want to come back to is probably more important than just simply being able to come back. If you're starting at square one, right, that's that's the other difficult thing. 
in a, in a student ministry space, you've got kids that did the K through eighth grade, you know, Sunday school experience. But then you've got kids that Christmas and Easter is about all they've come to church. Maybe they haven't come to church in years. How do you speak the truth and how do you speak things that reach both of those kids? Mm-hmm. And it's possible. It's just about, hey, I'm going to speak to that lifelong church kid and that first-time church kid. You might have a value system in your heart that has been developed over years. And as adults, it can be easy to be frustrated that teenagers don't have that same value system yet. Well, they're teenagers. That's the difficult thing. They look like adults. They can drive. They can get jobs. So sometimes we think they're grown-ups, but they're not yet. And they might act like grown-ups. They might appear like grown-ups. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing to remember is where they actually are yeah. in their in their life and in their journeys. They are still forming mm-hmm. those values and those opinions. And so if they're not quote-unquote there yet, whatever you define as their being, be patient. Well, what about you, Laura, though? Your girls have been a part of this. You've been a small group leader, right? I have served in various ways. Okay. Mm-hmm. But your girls have been a part of this. They have been under the teachings of Ryan. Like, do they come home and talk to you about this stuff? Do they, or do you, you know, I mean, you are in that situation where you have a household that everyone is following Christ. Everyone is on this journey and it's always been this way. So how does it look in your household when you know what they're doing on Sunday nights or whatever it is? Well, first of all, we, Justin and I started very early on making sure that we were safe people to talk to um, for our girls. So, (laughs) you know, I can, I mean, I've gotten it wrong so many times, but um so many times they'll ask a question or they'll make a statement and like internally I want to say, oh, that's wrong or, oh, you know, that's not, that's not what I believe. And I force myself to go, hmm, yeah, okay, tell me more about that. You know, just listening instead of reacting, we've kind of cultivated this dinnertime conversation. So dinner time is our time to just talk about whatever. And literally it's limitless. Like we've had sex conversations at dinner. We've had the drugs and alcohol conversations at dinner, you know, and just tried to really make it a listening on both sides. So what do you think about that? What do I think about that? And instead of using judging type words, being curious, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that transfers over a lot to faith. And so um, my girls will come with situations with friends. You know, my my friend is gay. You know, my friend um, was at a party Saturday night. And we talk through these things and we listen. And I think having Ryan and their small group leaders be another safe space to have those same conversations is huge because they are comparing. They are trying to see, you know, who's being fake, 
who's being like, you know, they're, they're very wise to, to that kind of thing. Um, so I fully believe that what Ryan said is true about having those five trustworthy adults in your life and being able to have open, honest, non-judgmental conversations about faith and everything else um, is, is so key. What you said, Laura, reminded me of the counselor approach to things. And the counselor approach to things isn't just telling someone they're valuable and thinking that's enough. The, the counselor approach is getting them to a place where they see their own value, right? Where they believe mm-hmm. what's true for themselves. So it's not just saying what's true and saying what's right. It's getting that person to believe what's true and what's right. And so I think that's a better approach. I am not going to say how to do that as a parent because I am not one and I don't want to be presumptuous. But I think for our kids, the win again isn't just to say what you feel is right. It's to get them to believe what's right and true about themselves, about Jesus. Yeah, it's about them owning it. They have to own it or it's not authentic. And that is a more patient approach. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. That's what's tough about it. It's a more patient approach to get them there. Your kids might say things and ask things and feel a certain way about things. And it might take weeks and months and years of patience and listening and conversations. And prayer. And prayer. (laughs) If oh, want, don't yeah. underestimate the power of praying for your kids. I have a question about those individuals that go to church or they don't go to church because they're sick of it, they're bored, they're this, they're that, they're just done. I know that there's sometimes where I hear parents will say, I don't even put up with the fight anymore. It's not worth it. They don't want to get up. I don't even know. And then I've heard parents that'll say, nope, this is a priority. This is what's going to happen. And then the kids start to resent their parents. And it's just like, Ooh, that's not what this is supposed to be about. Yeah. But it becomes that. Yeah. It sounds like in that scenario, there's probably been a loss of trust. It could be a loss of trust in your youth ministry environment or a loss of trust in your worship space on a Sunday morning. But at some point someone said, I'm not loving this or this didn't hit me. This didn't reach me. And it's been that way for a while. And so I'm going to walk away. And so I think our job as my job and our pastor's jobs is to find ways to rebuild trust, whether that's with the parents or the students or probably both. Can I re build trust between you and and us as a church? Can I show that I'm there for you? Can I give you a space that you trust? But it's hard once you've experienced the church and found something you didn't like and, and have chosen to walk away, it's hard to come back. If my time this year specifically, but if my time doing this has taught me anything, it's that no teenager is too far gone. We have had teenagers kind of walk away after eighth grade and show back up in 11th grade Mm. or 12th grade. And, you know, I may have mentally, mentally written that kid off as they're just not coming back, but you never know when they're going to come back to your space. And so you always invite, you're always welcoming and you're ready for them when they're there. Mm -hmm. I think that's why 
I always have a lot of pressure on doing the Sunday night thing well because that's the space that they're going to show up in if they haven't been here for a while or Sunday morning. But the same same uh, truth applies there. You know, If they're coming back in your space after being disengaged for a couple of years, that's why I put so much value on that experience, on how warm and welcoming our leaders are, how prepared my message is, how the navigation of the small group works, because that can be an awkward experience for a first timer. But all of it to me is like, man, if I, if I can provide a great experience, if I can provide warm relationships to them, then I've done all that I can do. And the rest is in God's hands beyond that. And teenagers are young adults who just want to be valued and loved for who they are, you know, and God does the transformation. We do the loving. They want to be talked with, not just talked at. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that a few times. There have been some specific moments where I've seen teenagers kind of being, you know, they were talked about like they weren't in the room, for instance, in a, in a church space. They were talked about like they weren't in the room. And they're like, I don't like that. I'm sitting here. Why are you talking like I'm not sitting right in front of you? You know, you're talking about me like that. You're also defining me in a certain way that I'm not defining myself as. It's about navigating those things where they can have a voice and be heard. But, you know, as a parent and as a leader, you too also have a voice. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to to share your voice. Don't be afraid to to speak truth to your your kid. Let's be reciprocal about that listening and that respect. Exactly. Um, if you want your kids to hear and be and respect you, you should hear and respect your kids too. And that's mm-hmm. how you build that trust back, and mm-hmm. you get to speak that truth. Yeah, good phrase to use is you know as you listen to them. Thanks for sharing that. I I understand where you're coming from. Do you mind if I share my perspective and where I'm coming from? It is one thing that I have learned as a parent and on the different podcasts that I host and the parenting advice I get, I've been given, like just because they're a teenager or because they haven't hit 18 and they're under your roof does not mean that they cannot be talked to as an individual, as a human being. You are their parent, and you can do the whole, I'm not their friend, I'm their parent, but you can respect them and get them to trust in you. And I, that is my approach, even with three- and five-year-old. You know, like, I want them to talk to me. I want them to tell me if they broke something and know that I'm not mad. I would be upset or angry if they lied about it. So we have to start talking about those things. And I want to kind of end our conversation where we kind of started and it was something that you brought up and I had written down but the fakers like they can see it and so what I wrote was okay if a parent is a churchgoer only and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with just going to church on Sunday or just going on Easter or Christmas I think what we're trying to say is when you start to walk alongside God more, like I'm doing, I start to feel the benefit more. I start to feel fulfilled. And so if these teenagers are seeing their parents go to church or in our particular church, 
and what I do, join a community group or volunteer outside of church, make cookies for someone. When they start to see all these things that we're asked to do by Jesus, like that's the impact. And you said that and and yes, they're going to they're going to call us out. Well, because that's that is Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit working through you and that is attractive. And these kids want to be with people who light up the room, with people who are making a difference in their community, with people who love others the way Jesus loves us. They want that. And so if they see that in you, they're going to want to be part of whatever you're part of. A lot of people have moments in, in how they observe their parents or their leaders. You'll never know when this moment's going to come. But I found over the years that a lot of kids will say, man, there was a moment when this happened and I could tell that it was real to this leader or to my parent. Being faithful and small and serving and engaging like you were saying, they might not notice that day one. Mm -mm. They might notice it when it's been a tough week, things have been rough, you're frustrated, you're annoyed, and it's community group time. And you say to your kids, you know what? As frustrated as I've been this week and as selfish as I want to be, I'm going to go to my group or I'm going to go to church. Maybe that's the moment. I, I can't say when that moment's going to hit, but it's that long game. I think that's, mm -hmm. I've said that a few times, but to me, we get so caught up sometimes in the short game. I'm going to be right right now, or I'm going to say this right now and be right right now and hope that they just magically receive it. But maybe the, the longer approach, maybe a lifetime of walking with Jesus is what it takes. In, in the life of my friend who, who got baptized at an older age, it was a years-long process. It wasn't a, I said the right thing at the right moment, and it solved everything. And so I think as a parent, I would say when God, when we get to heaven, you know, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a, a lifestyle that God's calling us to, not just one moment. But if you're living your lifestyle like that, the moment you're hoping will happen will probably come. We're going to see exactly how this feels because we have some episodes lined up with teenagers. I'm so excited about that. Male and female. And Ryan didn't pay them to be <laughs> on here and talk about how awesome he is. They are going to speak the truth. They're going to speak the truth of their walk and Ryan, I want you here because they do trust you. They don't know me, but they trust you. And they're going to be able to talk about these things that we have been talking about today. So get ready because it's going to be fun. We're going to have all kinds of different perspectives. And we're really here to just talk about the importance of the faith of the next generation. So please, 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 please. Come back, listen, and get ready for some inspirational stories.